0: scrambles he's left winds up he's got time at the 10 to the back yes. to the end zone touchdown and a dagger yannis into the lane yannis spinning fading shot
1: up God for yannis at
0: the buzzer bucks win it Hey old Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my good buddy, Tyler, a.k.a. T-Plus. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can also find our podcast on Twitter, at Trilogy underscore pod. We do a lot of tweeting there. Tyler does the most of that, so there's a lot of Brewer stuff I need to get on board. Um, In season, we'll get a lot more Packers content on Twitter for sure. Uh, You can also find our podcast on Facebook as well, uh, where we're posting all of our podcasts there, including the Brewers and the Bucks Trilogy podcast. So make sure you guys are checking those out as well as... Those are some pretty exciting exciting seasons going on there um, with the Bucks in the bubble and the Brewers in a short 60-game season for for baseball. So that's those are both exciting. Make sure you're getting your eyes on the TV and watching those games. Um, lots of fun there, but we're going to talk Packers. But before we get to that, Tyler, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. We took a week off from the Packers last week and coming back refreshed and reduced and hopefully ready for what's going to be a long haul of lots of Packers stuff to talk about. So I'm uh, watching right now on Twitter, a brawl between the Astros and the A's. So lots of contact there. So for those wondering like how's code work with the NFL season, whatnot, like I think, I think they'll find a way to make it work Uh, a little off topic there, but Um, Yeah, doing good. I do not have a microphone today, so if I sound a little distorted, um, blame it on my cats for chewing that cable. So they are impacting my voice quality today.
0: You know, just because I know she doesn't listen, it sounds like we might be able to blame it on your wife as well. That's
1: very true. Let's throw her under the bus. It was her fault. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so our Packers content today, Tyler. We're gonna go through position battles, and these are the ones that both of us find really interesting, um, and the ones that we're gonna monitor going into training camp. I feel like every podcast every year is gonna talk position battles going into training camp because these are the things that we need to be watching, and in this case, need to be listening to the media that are there watching what they're saying on Twitter, all of those types of things and looking at these position groups specifically. Because I, I do feel like these are the important ones. Like I said, these are the ones Tyler and I both feel are important and interesting. And it's something that we're going to want to watch here as well. So we're going to go through um, the right guard, position battle, right tackle, defensive line, the who's going to play next to Kenny Clark role, uh, wide receiver three, and the interior linebackers, and I'm going to throw another one here on Tyler that he doesn't know about yet, and that is cornerback three. Um, so we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's start with our much-beloved offensive line talk, Tyler. We are going to start with right guard, and you will notice that I have Billy Turner on this list twice because we all know his versatility he can play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line and what does that mean for this year no you know the packers restructured lane taylor's deal so what does that that means he's going to probably be on this team barring injury or anything like that he's going to be on this team for the 2020 season and what does that mean for the right guard position who is going to start there is it going to be lane taylor is it going to be billy turner who you got tyler
1: well, you know, it's versatility of Billy Turner, but I feel like they brought in Ricky Wagner to play right tackle. So I think Turner might stay put at guard. That's just kind of the hunch I'm going with right now. And like when you look at last year's offensive line, everyone just kind of like puts him down as like the worst one from last year, but he only allowed six sacks and had two penalties all last year. Like, sure, I guess I'd like him to allow a few less sacks, but, two penalties you can't argue with that at all I mean you're not killing the team by backing them up five ten yards however long it is with whatever penalty that incurred. but then you look at his competitor in Lane Taylor I mean he started for the Packers for a few years beforehand and he was there in 2019 before he got injured so I feel like it could be pretty close and you know I think just with how last year went and Billy Turner you know, he was solid on a team that was a game away from the Super Bowl. I think that I have to give my edge to at this point.
0: And okay. So this this position battle is interesting to me because you know, Lane Taylor I think is a very very good offensive lineman. I think he is a starting caliber guard in this league and to me, that's why I did not understand Packer fans saying cut Lane Taylor. Save us some money. No, why are you getting rid of some of the most important players on your team in offensive linemen? You know, the whole thing in the NFL is pass the ball, keep your quarterback upright. And why are you getting rid of offensive linemen to do that? That makes no sense to me. Lane Taylor is a starting caliber offensive guard in the NFL. And the Packers very well, they they have three starting caliber guards. That is good depth. That's a good thing to have. That is not a bad thing at all. So i never understood that, you know, they restructured it. I get it. Get a little bit money for this year, restructure the deal, but don't outright cut them because that really does not help anyone. Um, so I think it is interesting. I think the money thing will be interesting because Billy Turner is still getting paid a lot of money and, is Matt LaFleur, if he is not the best player to play right guard and Lane Taylor's better, and same thing at right tackle, what do they do? They're going to let that money just sit on the bench? That's a tough decision to make as a head coach, but I feel like you want your five best guys out there, and in my opinion, I think that's Lane Taylor. Uh, you can't really go off of like penalties or anything in the 2019 season, but he has five holding penalties since 2013 he has two false starts um since 2013 like he's not a guy that's gonna have a lot of penalties and start you negatively um he's very very solid in terms of his blocking and i feel like he might be the better player with billy turner it's all about i for me you don't want this as a coach, but a lot of the time it comes down to, you know, we just paid this guy. We can't let Billy Turner sit on the bench after we just paid him a four year $28 million deal or whatever that was. Um, so that to me, I think Lane Taylor might be the better player, but Billy Turner might get that position just because the Packers are paying them and can't see paying him and having him sit on the bench. Um, do you have anything else for this right guard spot?
1: Uh, not in particular. I mean, I guess, like, the only part that sucks, and this goes with all the position battles, is, you know, we can't really evaluate them through preseason play at all this year. So it's going to be, a, you know, are we going to hear much, you know, position battles from Matt LaFleur in press conferences, or are we going to, how are we going to be able to monitor these? I guess it's one thing I did want to point out before we got any further.
0: Yeah, and I like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of listening and watching the media members that are allowed there. Um, Because it sounds like they're going to be at Reynichke Field, and there is, like, the guys that are always there, Rob Domofsky, um, Matt Schneidman, like, those guys are going to be where the media traditionally are on the field. There's only, like, five or six of them. And then the rest of the media that are there are going to be spaced out in the stands at Ray Nitschke Field. So there's going to be guys there. There's going to be content to watch on Twitter is probably the main place to go for that. Um, but there is going to be ways to track that. Obviously, it's not going to be with our own eyes or anything like that this year. But those are the guys that you're going to want to watch. You know, Rob Domofsky, Matt Schneidman, uh, Andy Herman, Aaron Nagler, like all your Twitter Packer follows, that might be there, make sure you're following them because those are the guys that are going to be able to tell you about what's going on on the field. Um, And that's going to be the case for all these position battles. So make sure you're checking out Twitter for those updates and whatever articles or podcasts that come out from those guys. Um, Right tackle, you mentioned, Tyler, you thought they brought in Rick Wagner to play right tackle. But to me, if Lane Taylor is a better right guard, and that is who is in that position, start of the year, It does make an interesting kind of impasse at right tackle. Now, I I still think you play the better player. That is what you should do. But Rick Wagner, yes, they brought him in to play right tackle, but he is not getting paid like Billy Turner is getting paid. So if they're very similar, I would not be surprised at all if you have Rick Wagner as your swing tackle. And listen, he is a very good swing tackle. He's not Brian Bulaga good level right tackle um but he is a solid capable tackle in this league do not get that twisted at all and as a swing tackle if that's his role on this team we might have the best swing tackle in football because he like i said he's a very good player 2019 was not good um everything seems to point that that was injury related because he was banged up last year he hadn't really been before that you know he was very solid You know, 2015 to 2018, he was very, very solid, a very good player, and he got a huge contract from the Lions because of that. And then 2019, he's injured and his play declines. Now, if that play decline is more age rather than injury, and we start to see a decline there, I think Billy Turner's going to win this. But right now, if I, based on my opinion of these players and who is the best player for each position, Honestly, I'd have Billy Turner as the sixth offensive lineman. I would have Lane Taylor at right guard, Rick Wagner at right tackle. What do you think there, Tyler?
1: Yeah, interesting. I kind of like Rick Wagner at the right tackle spot. Some of the experts out there say Turner's more built like a tackle. He's he's maybe 6'5", 310 pounds. He's got youth on his side compared to Ricky Wagner by two years. But yeah, as you mentioned, like Rick Wagner is an experienced veteran. He knows, you know, it's kind of like that Lane Taylor, like he's a solid dude. He may not get the super recognition from the media or make Pro Bowls or anything like that, but he contributes in a positive way and really doesn't hurt your team all that often, except for last year with Wagner, which I think is why a fresh start will be good for him and and he's got a hometown story I'm just learning that he's actually from Wisconsin originally grew up going to games he was a walk-on for tight end actually at the University of Wisconsin so Rick Wagner is coming home and that that's got a good story to it as well so I'd like to see him succeed and do well
0: yeah yeah me too um, it'll definitely be interesting what pans out on that offensive line I think from Corey Lindsley Elton Jenkins David Bakhtiari you have to be feel extremely confident and comfortable with those guys. And like I mentioned, I think I feel confident and comfortable with the right side of this offensive line. It's just which of these three players are going to be there. Barring injury, I am extremely happy and comfortable with where our offensive line and offensive line depth is because we have Lucas Patrick that we just signed to an extension. Um, there's some players on this offensive line that aren't going to be starting that you know you can feel comfortable throwing out there if and when injuries do happen. So let's move ahead. Um, let's actually go to wide receiver three. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here. And I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but for me, wide receiver three is between MVS and EQ. We can add players to that, but. Devontae's a number one for sure. Um, to me, Lazard seems to have separated himself, and he's the number two. So I feel like the battle is at that number three at this point, especially with Funchess gone and opting out. I I feel like it's MVS and EQ for wide receiver three. What do you think? Is there any other players you would add to that conversation? And if you do or if you do not, what are your thoughts on that third wide receiver who's it going to be
1: Yeah, I think for now it's MVS and EQ that are kind of like the they've separated themselves just because of being drafted and being on the team for so long. I mean, when you take a look at these two like MVS like I don't know is when you say wide receiver three, do you think is he going to play a majority of slots, or is that just mean he's going to get more reps compared to the other guys? I think that's kind of the more way I look at it. He'll be out on the field, maybe not necessarily in the slot, just kind of wherever the team needs him to be. And, you know, MVS, he's still fast. He still has that ability. He has that going for him, and, you know, he makes some pretty decent plays, um, can you know it's just can Rodgers and him get on sync with those deep passes so if that becomes a good connection that develops this year then MVS will start to run away with it EQ you know he was looking so good last year and then got injured and never really ended up playing but you know he was still a low what sixth round draft pick I believe fifth round maybe he was down there I mean so like you know, if it doesn't work out with the EQ, I'm not going to be upset, but I am still kind of hyped for what he can bring to the table and how another year has changed him. And, you know, really none of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if like someone from right field comes out and wins wide receiver three, kind of like what Lazard did last year. You know, is it Reggie Bagleton just comes out of nowhere or is there someone else at Packers pick up? I, I could easily see either one of those scenarios happening as well, but from the top of my head, you know, the last couple of years, we've gone with MVS right away, giving him chances. And then he's just kind of, you know, when it doesn't work out, he plays less and less throughout the year. So I feel like MVS is going to get the first crack at it would be my hunch.
0: And I don't think you're wrong. I think that MVS probably is going to get the reps. I mean, EQ has been out for a year now, you know, but I do think MVS might get the chance first, but I think that EQ is going to cement himself as wide receiver three. I think personally, I think EQ can, by the end of the year, have us talking who's wide receiver two. Is it Alan Lazard or is it Equinemia St. Brown? Because I have so much hope and faith for his potential because the talent is there, um, I think having him in the as a big slot and going at the middle of the field, he can do other things as well. But you know, attacking the middle of the field because Peter Bukowski brought it up, you know, a week or two on his podcast that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, if they attack the middle of the field, that's going to be better for them. You know, league wide. Attacking the middle of the field is more effective and efficient than attacking, you know, the numbers outside the hashes, the numbers area. So Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, thinks about the middle of the field. There's more players there. There's more likely an interception there. So he always opts to play towards the outside of the field. He can make those throws. He's very good at that. But the middle of the field is such... A place that Equinemia St. Brown can just make hay on. He can be that big slot. He can run, you know, the slants. He can run the ins, the digs, the posts, anything from the middle of the field, that big slot, I think he's going to be extremely effective there. I think you're going to see Jay Sternberger in that role quite a bit. They're going to split him out into the slot and do similar types of things. But I do think Equinemia St. Brown is going to be wide receiver three in terms of targets by the end of the year and like I said in terms of production and everything else I think he is going to start having Packer fans think okay what who is number two Alan Lazard has played really well and this EQ he he's extremely talented and he is playing just as well and then maybe we can stop hearing the bitching about all oh, the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver. They didn't draft a wide receiver because, one, in your mileage may vary on the Jordan Love pick. You might hate that, and you might think that was just idiotic and whatever. You get over that fact, then they draft A.J. Dillon. You know, those are just guys that they had high on their boards. They felt like those are guys that we want in our system and that are going to help us tremendously over the course of time, and we're getting them. We're getting them when we know we can get them. And then after that, Brian Gutekunst has said, We felt more confident in our guys than any other guy we could draft from the third round on, even in a historically deep wide receiver class. So that tells me that there's talent on this wide receiver roster, and EQ is it for me. I would not be surprised if he is surpassing Alan Lazard as wide receiver two on this team by the end of 2020. Um, Hopefully he can take that big leap. Obviously it's basically year two even though it's year three for him because he was out all last year. Um, that is one guy that I think he might not get the opportunity that MVS does right away, but I think over time he is just going to be a great, great player for this team in 2020. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with the position next to Kenny Clark on the defensive line. Who Who's going to step up, Tyler? Is it going to be Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, or Dean Lowry? Who is going to be that guy that's going to help – mainly in the run defense.
1: Oh, yeah. Stepping up is kind of the big key word there, right? Like last year we saw flashes of Dean Lowry. He was clearly the guy next to Kenny Clark, DL2. But then you're like, oh, Kiki he's so athletic, and we drafted him when we were about him. But he played a whopping 94 snaps last year, which is not a lot. <laughs> which is, That was 9% of defensive snaps last year. So we just didn't get to see him out there. But, man, I just love his athletic ability. And I think, you know, not only Kiki has the potential to be a very good run stopper, but given his athleticism, he could be a really good pass rusher, too. Like, the man can move for his size. He's like, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but, like, That's what Kenny Clark is, right? He's shifty. He can move fast. He's got a little bit of speed to him for his size. Like, that's what Kiki is. And, you know, he's just got to get developed and get stronger and kind of earn some more reps. So, I mean, stepping up-wise, I really, really want Kiki to step up and earn this role. I think Dean Lowry is going to get the first crack at it, and Lancaster's at the bottom of the totem pole here for me.
0: Wow. Wow. Tyler just said Kingsley Kiki is Kenny Clark. <laughs> He's got the potential to be. He can be. Watch it. Wow. Wow. I I love Kingsley Kiki. I really do. I think he can be a great player. I do not think he can be on the level of Kenny Clark, but I get what you're saying. I do think he can be a very good productive player for this team and he just he needs to do it. He needs to get an opportunity, but he just needs to do it when he gets out on the field. Obviously, that 9% of defensive snaps last year, that isn't the opportunity. He needs to get a little bit more of a chance from Mike Pettin, but he needs to go out and do it because, like you said, for me, that's the guy. If he hits, it's going to help this defense tremendously. If it's Dean Lowry that kind of becomes that defensive line two guy that's always out there you know you have what we have last year between him and Tyler Lancaster they kind of rotate out you we have a very similar defensive front as we did last year it doesn't change Kingsley Kiki is the guy that can make this change he has to take the step I think with a lot of different position battles it's who can take the step? Wide receivers. It was who can take that step, EQ or MVS. Now, if Kensley Kiki can take the step, that's great. That's gonna improve this defense a lot. But I don't think Tyler Lancaster or Dean Lowry can make a big jump. I think they're you know, they're solid players. You but you kind of know what you're getting out of them. What last year, what you saw from Dean Lowry that's kind of what you get. What you saw from Tyler Lancaster, that's kind of what you get. There's not a lot of potential growth from them, not that we've seen at least. So to me, the big thing is if Kingsley Kiki can do it, our defensive front is going to be much better off, and that's going to make our total defense much better off than they were last year. Do you have anything else on defensive line, or should we move ahead to that interior linebacker position? Can you imagine
1: Kiki and Kenny Clark on the same level? Like, <laughs> that'd just be incredible. <laughs> I don't know if his potential's actually that high, but I do think his athletic ability is comparable to to what Kenny Clark brings to the table. So, yeah, hopefully he makes that step, like you said.
0: Okay, so I just have a question. So if I were to put, let's say, a Madden rating on Kenny Clark at a 95 I probably think he deserves to be a little bit higher than that, but let's let's say Kenny Clark is a ninety-five, okay? Mm-hmm. Now I want you to compare it to an in division rival in Akeem Hicks. Where would you rank Akeem Hicks on like that Madden rating scale?
1: Oh man, dude, Akeem Hicks is really good. Um, oh gosh, I mean, they both they're both obviously really good. They bring a little bit different things to the table in terms of their style play on defense. Um, I think I'd actually give Akeem Kicks a little bit of an edge, like a 96, just barely.
0: Whoa, wait, wait. You think Akeem Hicks is better than Kenny Clark? He,
1: not in the pass rush, no, but in the run, yes. What? That, Are you, you serious? You asked for my opinion, and I'm giving it to you. I've seen him destroy our running backs for
0: years. Oh my God. Kenny Clark is double and triple teamed on every run. He's the only defensive lineman to worry about. He's literally eating up double teams all the time. And that's why it dumbfounded me that Blake Martinez only made plays five yards down the field. <laughs> I, I am dumbfounded right now. I w- okay. I was literally expecting you to say, you know, 90 to 92 range. Because I think, I think Akeem Hicks is a great player. And anytime you get 90 and above, you are a great player. And we're probably, you know, just talking to talk at that point about, you know, do you deserve a 92 or a 94? Like, you're just kind of splitting hairs there. But to me, Kenny Clark's the better player. And the main reason is I think they're very similar in terms of the run. Akeem Hicks might have a few more disruptive plays here and there. But to me, to be very, very disruptive and a top two, I think, in pressure rate interior defensive lineman behind only Aaron Donald, who is an absolute freak of a human being, that you deserve to be better than him. So I was expecting you to put him in the 90, 92, 93 range, and I was going to say, if Kingsley Kiki hits, I can see him being a similar player. I don't think he's better or can be better than Kenny Clark, but I think he can be that slightly less, still an extremely effective, a great player overall, um, but not quite to the level of Kenny Clark, in my opinion. Um, let's go ahead and move to interior linebackers. So this is might be the most interesting. It's definitely got the most players um, in terms of players that could step up. And this is behind Christian Kirksey. We are assuming that Christian Kirksey is going to be that main guy um, in the linebacker core. But the players that could be right next to him, we got Oren Burks, Kamal Martin, Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton, and – You can throw in Raven Green, you know, any safety because Mike Patton's going to do that. Um, Who do you think is going to be that kind of the guy that we see the most, maybe? I know it's hard with how often we play three safeties and all that kind of stuff. Um, So maybe let's just limit this to actual linebackers. Who are we going to see? Is it going to be Burks, Martin, Summers, or both?
1: Yeah, if we're just limiting it to linebackers, that makes it a lot more interesting because, I mean, Oren Burks... I, hate, I know you love him, but it, it's basically a third-round draft pick experiment at this point. He's a liability in the run defense. He's got some athletic ability and has shown the ability to make an impact in the past game, but that's about it. And, you know, the other guys, Martin, Summers, Bolton, we don't know much about them. Summers and Bolton were special teams guy last year. Martin is a rookie. So, I mean, you in a year like this, you hope you don't have them accumulating a lot of snaps between this combination of players so i don't even know who is standing out at this point it's it's a crapshoot just i mean flip a quarter and say hey you're in you know i don't know i got nothing really it it could be any one of them who's gonna step up kind of the theme with these guys
0: yeah i mean we just talked about it right can Kingsley Kiki step up? Can MVS or EQ step up? It's This is about who is going to step up. You know, I don't have a lot of faith that Kamal Martin is going to get a lot of opportunities here, mainly because Kingsley Kiki, we're talking about being a 85 to 95 rated player in Madden, and now this is years down the road. Mind you, not right now. I don't want that to be a soundbite, and I get chastised for that but potential wise he could be and he was given nine percent of defensive snaps last year so I don't think Kamal Martin is that level of potential so I don't think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in terms of snap count he's probably going to be a special teams type of guy the other ones it's it's that trend who is going to step up I uh, it's a do or die situation for Oren Burks It really is. I've been on his bandwagon. I've supported him through a lot of thick, a lot of thick situations. I've gotten a lot of heat from you two, Um, you know, talking about I think Oren Burks can can be a good player for this team. I think he can impact this defense a lot. It's put-up-or-shut-up time now for Oren Burks, and he's got to step up. If not, you're right, he's – That's a failed draft pick, and they happen all the time. It's fine. It's just something I think me personally I'm going to have to get over at this point if he doesn't step up. I am still holding out hope that he will be able to step up. Other than that, who are we going to see? Is Ty Summers going to be able to step up? Yeah, he he looked electric in the first preseason game last year, and then there was a lot of consistency tackling issues that he had. Honestly... Curtis Bolton, I think, might be the best option right this second for me because we've seen two years of Oren Burks. I haven't seen him step up. I've seen one year of Curtis Bolton before. I think he got hurt last year, and he was fun to watch. He was good. Um, So for me, that might be the guy that I trust the most at this point, which is really, really scary for me. Um, But I do think there's going to be – a safety next to Christian Kirksey more often than not. So this one might be more of a Packer fans are really going to pay attention to this one. Who's going to step up there? But I think for the most part, it's going to be safeties and then early downs. Who are we going to get? Are we going to get Oren Burks, Ty Summers or Curtis Bolton? All right. So cornerbacks, this is the one I kind of sprung on Tyler. We didn't really talk about this before we went live for the show, but as I was looking at the groups, I felt like this was a this was a position that we needed to talk about. And this is another kind of similar situation to the Oren Burks one, right? Is it going to be in our cornerback three role? I think it's pretty obvious that we're going to get Jair Alexander, cornerback one, Kevin King, cornerback two. For whatever you think of him, he is the second best corner on this team. Who's cornerback three? Is it going to be Josh Jackson? Is it going to be Shannon Sullivan? I'll throw a wild card out there. Are they going to sign Tremont Williams back for that role? Who who you got, Tyler?
1: Uh, I love Tremont, but you know I feel like it's too late to bring him back already at this point. With. Players already reporting and starting to ramp up their activities, so I feel like they're going to roll with Chandon Sullivan. I mean, pro football folks really loves Chandon Sullivan. He passed my eye test last year. He caught my eye. Josh Jackson caught my eye on the bench last year, so I don't even know what he, what you know, year two, he didn't do anything, so... Besides put his hands, you know, in his crotch and keep his hands warm in the wintertime. That's all he did. So, uh, I like Jandon Sullivan. I think he's going to get the first crack at it.
0: Yeah, I think, I still think we're in a crazy spot with Josh Jackson. I, One of our recent podcasts, I don't know which one it was, but one of our recent ones, I kind of went off on Packer fans, and Tyler, you kind of went right into their thinking that, Josh Jackson is just bad. He he can't play. Why put him out there? Look, this guy is so talented. I, I am holding out hope for Oren Burks, uh, Kingsley Kiki, and Josh Jackson. Because Josh Jackson is immensely talented. Like I said in that podcast I went on a rant for, there was Packer fans that wanted Josh Jackson at 14. The Packers traded down, I think, to like 27 and then traded back up to get Jair Alexander. Everyone thought they were going to go Josh Jackson. They went Jair Alexander. Packer fans were pissed. They wanted Josh Jackson. Well, they got Josh Jackson at 44, I think, is when they drafted him in the second round. And now the shift, like, everyone's off of him. Look, he's been really—he's extremely talented, and he's shown flashes— but they, he just hasn't been consistent, and I think that needs to be the thing for him. I, I do agree with you with Shannon Sullivan. I do think that he did pass the eye test, and I think that's the reason Tremont Williams is not back because they have a lot of faith in Chandon Sullivan. He might be their trusted number three cornerback um, to start the year, and they're going to hope for Josh Jackson. They're going to have the hope that I have for Josh Jackson. They're going to hope he figures it out and he can kind of emerge. And if he realizes his potential, that makes it really easy to not sign Kevin King next year and have Josh Jackson move up to that role um, and keep Chandon Sullivan, because I do think he's a very, very good player. Um, So to me, it's Chandon Sullivan's going to be the guy and They're kind of laying or playing this potential role with Josh Jackson, hoping to get him snaps to see if he can be effective, see if he can be a guy for you, a good cornerback, solid guy that you can trust on the boundaries. See if it happens. If it doesn't, you know you have Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and Shannon Sullivan, and you roll with those guys the rest of the year once you figure out if Josh Jackson can put it together or not. All right, Tyler, do you have any other position groups that we didn't talk about that you want to hit on here? Um, anything that you thought of about any of the position groups we've already talked about? Anything you you have?
1: Uh, not on position groups, but you did actually just like put a light bulb in my brain when you're talking about the re-signing of or non-re-signing of Kevin King, whatever happens after this year. but. Yeah, like Channon Sullivan and Josh Jackson's play actually has a big impact on that. Now that I now that you said it out loud and I processed it, like if Sullivan, you know, can step into that number two role and you think Josh Jackson will be serviceable as your third corner, because you know Kevin King's gonna cost some money. Like it's gonna, I I think it was gonna cost ten million to keep him. You thought it was closer to like six or eight, or somewhere in that range, a little bit less than what I thought. So. Kind of how they play will have some free agent implications when we look towards next offseason. So that's a way too early look into all that, but something to think about for now.
0: And, and you want to talk about way too early. You know, if you sign Kevin King, if, you know, Josh Jackson and Janet Sullivan don't live up to anything and they play bad and you have to sign Kevin King just to have a second corner, then you're thinking, uh, crap. Jair Alexander's contract's coming up soon too. Um, granted, he was a first round pick, so you can put that fifth year option on him, so you give an extra year there. But you know that they were drafted the year apart, I believe. I believe Kevin King was in 2017, and uh, Jair Alexander was in 2018. So that that is something to keep in mind as well with that cornerback group is. This year has a lot of implications moving forward, not only with Kevin King, but you know, moving ahead to next year's draft, even, like the Packers might have to be spending draft capital, early draft capital on the cornerback position again, because if Channon Sullivan and Josh Jackson don't really step up or they can only be cornerback three and you can't pay Kevin King. You know, there's a there's a vacant position there, too. So that is going to definitely be an interesting group to talk about. Um, I think that's going to be it for us this week. I do want to quick mention, though, um, which is not good news overall. It's not directly re- related to the Packers. But it sounds like the Big Ten is ready to pull the plug on a Big Ten football season. Shortly after they released their... Um, schedules this year they were going to be all Big Ten teams they were going to kind of limit it that way but now they're talking about canceling the football season and if the college football season gets canceled or most of the big division one power five schools gets canceled I think that's going to put a lot of spotlight on the NFL and what they are going to do i at this point, I still think we're going to have an NFL season at least to start. But, you know, big, big conferences in college football potentially shutting down seasons is not a great thing um, for the Packers, for the NFL. I don't think that's a very good thing to see. And hopefully they decide the other way. Um, but also, this is all for the safety of the players. Of everyone involved so we'll have to kind of monitor that and see how that affects the packers and this 2020 nfl season but until we can talk next week and have hopefully more training camp news and different things to talk about actually on the football field finally um we'll talk to you next week go pack go go pack go